You're listening to The Conservative Conscience. In Washington, politicians are full of half-truths and hot air. The Conservative Conscience is here to help you cut through the rhetoric and noise and explore the politically right way to think about the issues. You'll dive into one of the most insightful conservative minds in America. Conservative Review Senior Editor Daniel Horowitz. And along with co-host Joe Koss, they break down the major issues in Washington. You are now entering The Conservative Conscience. And welcome back to The Conservative Conscience. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz. It's Thursday afternoon here, February 9th, snow apocalypse. Although here in our Southern Command in Maryland, absolutely nothing but sunshine. Anyway, I wish we had this blizzard here like they're having up north because, gosh, I need this news cycle to shut down. I need it to shut down. I appreciate some of you expressing your uh, congrats to me on my my anniversary with my wife, Kelly Beth, and I. Um and uh, it was good to have at least one night off. But yeah, I've been working day and night. The judiciary is destroying this country. I warned you guys about it last year. If you haven't gotten my book yet, Stolen Sovereignty, make sure you get it. And by the way, if you have not supported our sponsor, Patriot Supply, go to preparewithcr.com. You don't want to be caught in this blizzard without any food. 140 homemade meals. They last almost forever for 99 bucks. So go to preparewithcr.com. But anyway, we're, we're just going to jump right into this. And I'm just going to kind of give random thoughts today about different observations we're seeing with the week in totality, the Trump presidency, immigration, the courts, <clears throat> the state of play in this phony failed conservative movement we talk about so often, quasi-libertarian movement. Um. I just want you to know th- what 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 keeps me going here is knowing that everyone has a mission in life. And I just felt over the last couple of years that it's been growing, but my mission is to take down the courts. And when I say take down the courts, there's a legitimate role for the courts to play to interpret statutes, adjudicate cases and controversies under the law, criminal cases, civil cases. The system generally works pretty well. But it's when the courts foray into politics and constitutional interpretation and then make themselves the sole and final arbiter of that and now stealing American sovereignty, redefining marriage, sexuality, and national sovereignty. Um, anyone who follows my Twitter feed at RM Conservative, you'll see I've obviously been day and night focusing on this issue. I'm giving you just the legal, philosophical, historical background on the right of a nation to exclude at any time, the right of the president, the power he has statutorily to do, yes, a complete Muslim ban if he wanted to do that, but that's not anywhere near what he what he did. That's a different issue. Um, like I always said, before we talk about a Muslim ban, let's let's talk about ratcheting down um, the record high numbers of immigration. I mean, you know, complete ban is kind of a straw man, um, but certainly that could be done. And we, we, we have a crisis. We have a constitutional crisis in this country where the courts, like I've said many times, we always laughed at it. Yeah, judicial tyranny, legislating from the bench. It's not funny anymore. You will see that to the extent we can get Trump to do good things, which often it's hard. In cases like immigration, I think he more or less wants to do the right thing. It will be stymied by the courts. Everything a state wants to do will be stymied by the courts. We need judicial reform. 
and I'm committed to that. I'm committed to pushing that. I'm happy to see. Um, some of you might have heard me on with Hannity. Um, you know, talking about stripping, uh, dividing up the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, and that actually is gaining mainstream support. So I'm hoping that to be a hook to have a broader national dialogue over the fact that it's Congress that controls the courts. Where where do we start here? Where do we approach this? I want to tie together Neil Gorsuch into this broader discussion of Judge Robart, immigration in the courts, and judicial supremacy and a constitutional crisis, and whether we're a judicial oligarch or whether we are a constitutional republic. I want to, want, want to tie this all on together. Someone, I can't remember the name, someone sent me an email, one of our listeners, saying, hey, Dan, Daniel, you always tell the truth. I know you always speak what's on your heart, but I felt you were holding back a little bit with Gorsuch. I felt you didn't really like the guy, but you didn't feel comfortable. If some of you have seen the news, more and more stuff dropping about him that, again, I'm not going to relitigate our long 45-minute podcast from last week about how it's more of the issues the libertarians care about. It's more about using judicial supremacy to strike down you know, regulations, but they don't give a darn about the civilization issues. And, and the, this so-called conservative legal movement certainly doesn't care. And, and I spoke to someone that you would all respect. It's pretty much the only one I respect in the legal field who b- believes like I do um, and believes that the entire judicial profession has lost any shred of respectability, legitimacy, and it must be reformed and returned to its original mandate. And this individual confided in me that, yes, he does believe that more or less Gorsuch will be like a Roberts. I want to explain to you what I mean by being like a Roberts. So Donald Trump said this judge is just out of control, stealing our sovereignty. I forgot his exact term. You and I both know Donald Trump says a lot of crazy things. He does a lot of things that we disagree with morally, personally. That's why many of us didn't want him as president. But he won the nomination, and he became president. And you know, I we all have to admit there is a certain plus side to him that he does have a certain boldness on some issues and a certain degree of common sense. And this is where it's playing out on some of the most important issues, immigration and the courts and the convergence of those two, where the guy comes in and says, wait a minute, you're telling me a court – could throw away national sovereignty and create an affirmative right to immigrate, a religious liberty right, a, um, a 14th Amendment equal protection right for people from the Middle East to come here from any country, no matter the circumstances? Really? A- after the courts have said for 200 years that the, that, that the judiciary has no power over this? And the entire conservative thumb-sucking media is all, oh, this is terrible. And believe me, he said a lot of stupid things. That stupid business of talking about Ivanka in the middle of a intel briefing. And there's a lot of annoying off-message things he's done. But there's something that's going on with the pho- phony conservative punditry thumb-sucking class that e- even a broken clock is right twice, but not these guys. They criticize him when he's right, and then when he needs you know, pressure applied, like, hey, get off this, or hey – you need full repeal of Obamacare regulations. Um, you need uh, you need to get rid of Obama uh, Obama's anti religious liberty executive order. They're nowhere to be seen. <laughs> you know where are all these critics? So Ben Sass is just criticizing Trump for criticizing a judge, criticizing him on immigration. Where is he criticizing him on um, the religious liberty stuff? Where is he 
on Obamacare. I thought he was this big whiz on healthcare, the articulate guy. Nowhere to be seen. And I want to explain this through the prism of an anecdote that will tie together my problems with Gorsuch and everything going on in the conservative political movement, which is bankrupt, the conservative, aka libertarian legal movement, which is even more bankrupt. And that's as follows. I saw a tweet, and I don't remember who it was from. I don't think the guy was overly famous, but it was one of these maybe writers, conservative writers. And um, the guy basically says something to the effect of when Ted Cruz was having that debate with Bernie Sanders over Obamacare Tuesday night, the guy said, you know, Cruz did a good job. I'm really glad he did it. But, you know, Ben Sass should have been the one to do it. He, that, that guy really, I mean, he really has health care down. And I was thinking to myself, you fool. That's the entire point. He didn't do it. He didn't want to do it. He's in the witness protection program. While the entire Republican apparatus is now fully in place to not repeal Obamacare. They're repealing the repeal. We will never be a free people. One-fifth of our economy will be locked up. No one will be able to afford health care and health insurance without government help, which is unsustainable. We will never grow more than 3% in the, in, the economy, in, the, in the economy on any given year because of this. He's nowhere to be seen. That's the point. Ted Cruz, I, I don't need someone who's intellectually good on the issues. Every Republican intellectually is for marriage, is for life, is for lower taxes, free markets, until they're not. Until it matters, until you reach the inflection point and that they're nowhere to be seen. And this is why we've lost. This is why the left wins 50-year culture battles overnight without firing a shot. Because our guys just don't care. They just won't do anything. Ted Cruz was that rare gem that wasn't just a vote, but a voice for us. This was his idea. It wasn't like, oh, the Republicans and Democrats decide to have a debate over Obamacare and each one selected a representative and they selected Cruz and like, well, select a sass. No, this was Ted's idea. When Republicans refused to articulate free markets and pin the tail of blame on the donkey and say, no, you Democrats are throwing people off their insurance. You're making it that they can't afford it. You're making it that it's unsustainable. You're not doing anyone favors by continuing a scheme where 70% of the country has one to two insurers and they're, they're, they're dropping them by the minute and premiums have tripled and this is just year three of implementation. It's all going to collapse. That's what Ted Cruz did. He spoke for all of us. And by the way, you know the, 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 the true quarterbacks on this, Bill Cassidy, Lamar Alexander, people like that, they agree more with the stuff that Bernie Sanders said than Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz doesn't represent the Republican Party. That's the problem. We don't have people like that. Ben Sass is MIA, except when it comes time to criticize Trump for criticizing the judge. So anyway, where does Ben Sass fit into this? And by the way, I interviewed him several years ago for an endorsement, um, and I saw it back then. This he's he's a very nice guy, by the way. I have nothing against him. I think he's a very personable, down to earth guy. He he's he's very honest too. To be to be clear, I think he's honest that he's not going to fight for us. I just wished he'd be that honest and bold to actually fight. Um. So anyway, so Gorsuch. Um. So what happened here with Gorsuch? So you first you saw the media reports that Gorsuch told. Senator Blumenthal, Democrat from Connecticut, that uh, he's concerned, uh, you know, he's demoralized and disheartened by Trump criticizing, you know, a sitting judge. 
And, um, you know, so I, I, when I saw that, I didn't know what was going on. I figured, look, maybe it's a Democrat making stuff up or media, whatever. But then it became clear that Kelly Ayotte, his spokeswoman, put out a statement. And by the way, just to div- diverge here, Kelly Ayotte is a rhino who supports the transgender agenda. Her voting record reflects that. That's why she lost. Um, so the fact that she's Gorsuch's gatekeeper, that in itself should tell you something. But um, anyway, she put out an official statement. Judge Gorsuch has made it very clear in all of his discussions with senators, including Senator Blumenthal, that he could not comment on any specific cases and that judicial ethics prevent him from commenting on political matters. He has also emphasized the importance of an independent judiciary. And while he made clear that he was not referring to any specific case, no, 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 no. He said that he finds any criticism of a judge's integrity and independence disheartening and demoralizing. Are you freaking kidding me, folks? So he's not disheartened and disheartened and demoralized by the courts sacking our republic. By the court stealing our democracy, by the court stealing our sovereignty, redefining marriage, redefining sexuality. That, that, that's not a problem. What the judge did is not a problem. It's the reaction to the judge that's the problem. That's the classic, by the way, that's a classic liberal moral re- relevance is built on that. That you're not bothered by the problem, you're bothered by the, prob- the response to the problem. It reminds me of all these Muslims in America that you never, ever, 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 ever see them protesting terrorism, but you'll see them protesting conservative policies to counter terrorism. Well, so maybe, you know, let's say, okay, you disagree. Fine. Show us the way. There's one thing if you, you know, protested, you were bothered by the problem, but, you know, you don't think this is the solution. But when you're in the witness protection program, that tells us your priority. So I figured maybe it was out of context. Maybe the Democrats put him on the hot seat. Maybe he didn't speak to this case specifically. Okay. This is where Ben Sass comes to play. And he says, no, I was there. He goes on MSNBC's Morning Joe, who, by the way, is, is a horrible human being. Um, and again, so you go to an enemy and you go and agree with him against your own side. Quote, this is what Sass said. Judge Gorsuch and I actually talked about this, that, and frankly, he got pretty passionate about it. Right. So, again, you know, I thought maybe he was joking. Maybe he was like just like kind of deflecting Democrats. But this is Ben Sass talking. He got pretty passionate about it. Um. Then he went on to say, I asked him about the so-called judge comment, meaning what Trump said, because we don't have so-called judges or so-called presidents or so-called senators. And this is a guy who kind of welled up on with some energy. And he said any attack of any uh, of I think his term to me was brothers or sisters in the robe is an attack on all our judges. Our brothers and sisters in robes. Wow. This this was our big pick. The, the entire phony conservative legal movement, libertarian legal movement that has failed us for half a century, um, refuses to support my effort for judicial reform. But don't worry, Daniel, we're going to fix it by picking better judges. We have a Republican Senate getting rid of the filibuster, could pick anyone you want. This is who we picked. That is very telling. And this gets back to what I mean by a John Roberts by a Ben Sass and a lack of a Ted Cruz on a political level, a lack of a Clarence Thomas Scalia on a legal level. What separates Scalia from Roberts? Roberts is not a liberal. He's not a suitor. He's not even a Kennedy. Roberts is a intellectual conservative. It's very clear. I'm sure he's pro-life. You read his writings from the 80s and everything, just like you read Gorsuch's writings. But that's all in theory. When it comes time... 
we we know the we know the courts don't have this power. We know they this is manifestly not the system we adopted. We know that. By the way, we talk about independent branch. Are you kidding me? The problem is that we're not allowing the courts independence. What happened to legislative independence, executive independence? That's the problem. The problem is not the courts ha- don't have enough deference. Are you kidding me? But that's a John Roberts. John Roberts, and you know, and, and a lot of people who understand this will tell you this. He has so much respect for this immoral system of Sodom and Gomorrah. And when I say system, I don't mean the legitimate system. I mean the one that we did not adopt at the Constitutional Convention. And frankly, that wasn't accepted until the 50s or so. That whatever the courts say goes, even, even as it relates to executive, state, or uh, legislative powers. Absolutely not true. Absolutely not true. You know, um, but th- that's what it means to be a John Roberts. And that is exactly what I feel fear in a Gorsuch. Yeah, I'm sure he's conservative. But is he going to do what it takes to bust open the legal profession? No. And that that's where Scalia was different. Scalia, at the end of his life, and this is what, what I was inspired by Scalia to write my book. He was, call, he was calling for, he was pulling the fire alarm. He's like, these guys are nuts. He Again, he wouldn't call them out, you know, in a way Trump does and, you know, kind of, you know, colorful ad hominems. But he was very rigorous. Is it so hard for Gorsuch to get up there and say, this is outrageous what's going on, them not following statute, overturning 200 years of precedent without um, even showing your work, as Judge Robart did? No, instead, the problem is Trump, Trump's remark. Again, th- this, this is everyone is for originalism until you reach the inflection point to actually do it. If you believe the courts don't have the power— and you believe it's immoral, and it's unconstitutional, and it's against statute, and it affects our national sovereignty and our security. Don't you have an obligation? This was what Marbury versus Madison said at its core. This was John Marshall's entire point, the whole source of judicial review, which wrongly transmogrified into judicial supremacy, proves our point. Marshall was saying, look, Of course, the main job of a judge is to interpret a statute, not to overturn it. But if you have a statute that's manifestly against the Constitution the way it was written, of course, you swore an oath to the Constitution as a judge, you got to uphold the Constitution. How much more so if you have the legislative power and and a presidential power and you have statutes that were passed into law and delegated authority that's the current law? And it is the most inviolable and unassailable sovereignty laws of a nation. You have the responsibility as your oath as president, as your oath as attorney general, as your oath uh, as DHS director and um, secretary of DHS and secretary of state and, and, and individual congressmen to not follow the court. Now, again, if you want to say politically that, you know, we, you, you got to walk before you run and, you know, it's been so imbued in society, you can't do it at once. I, and that, that's a different argument. And, and that's why at least let's do it legislatively and pass jurisdiction stripping, jurisdiction modification, judicial reform legislation. But no, no one wants to talk about that. Just to point better judges. Oh, but what I mean by better judges is the judges that will uphold the system. This is where we are. This is why every Republican's for repealing Obamacare until it comes time to repeal it, and they're not. It's all talk, no action. And this brings me to Donald Trump. You guys know 
I was the biggest critic of his imaginable. I believe he's personally immoral. I still do. There's a lot of problems with him. Often he's off message. Often he says liberal things. Often he does stupid things. And often it hurts the good things he does. It hurts the messaging. You know, for example, when he praises Putin on the same day, he goes after the judge. It makes it easier for the left to, you know, we're trying to plow new ground going after the courts, which I think the public would be receptive to. But if you have a vehicle who's, you know, viewed as an authoritarian, it makes it a lot harder. Um, But with that said, he became president. As conservatives, I, I, you know I want to start a third party, which is really a second party. We don't have the popular support for that yet. It's certainly with the Republican as president. We're going to try to make the best we can, pressure him to do the right thing, back him when he does the, uh, a good thing. But this is the problem. Trump doesn't know how to be a conservative. But he has some good instincts and common sense on some issues, and I think the courts and immigration are, are, are some of that. I think he could be a big ally for judicial reform. But here's the problem. There'd be one thing if you had a Republican Party and a conservative movement that was good on everything. And then you have Trump that's good on half the issues and bad on half the issues. So you robustly back him on the good and you pressure him on the bad. And I think we could actually move him along because the die is cast. He knows we'd be his friend. He knows the left, no matter how liberal he is on some fiscal or social issues, they're never going to support him. He'll he'll join with us. I, I really think that for the most part. But we don't have that. The movement, they're worse than Trump. They don't back him up on the good things, and they don't pressure him on the bad things. So you guys, so, you know, I'm kind of caught in this middle ground. I'm not sure what to do. I honestly, and and look, I voted for Judge Joy, Judge Roy Moore. I, I filled him in. You know, I'm, I'm from Maryland. Hillary was going to win it anyway. I felt I'll vote my conscience, and this is a man I admire. I don't admire Trump personally. That that's That's what I did. But, but. The reality is I actually sympathize with Trump in, in, this, in the following sense. The guy made a promise. He, he said, we're bringing in the entire Middle East. We don't know who these people are. We have terror attack after terror attack. We have the subversive culture in places like Minneapolis. It's got to stop. This is the number one job as a president that he swears an oath. He, he has to protect and defend the Constitution. It's to defend America's borders. That's why we have a president. That at its core, and by the way, you know, you read some of my legal stuff. It's not just the Article 1, Section 8 plenary power of Congress over immigration, which they delegated in this case authority to the president. He has his own foreign affairs uh, uh, powers to, to deal with this. So he made a promise. And a lot of people are like, well, you did this wrong. You did that. You should have waited until you had sessions. You should have. Well, it's hard for him because on the one hand, you want to strike while the iron's hot. You want to have shock and awe, have your political capital in your first, second week. Um, you want to show the American people we mean business. Um, you want you want to say, I don't want to allow, allow this travesty to go on for another day. So he did a very, he promised a, a Muslim ban. And, and in fact, what he did was something very, very modest, which as I've explained many times already, it's essentially, it's essentially required by current law. Although there are waivers that Bush and Obama got out of it. He just restored the base law in five of the seven countries. Um, so, you know, what, what do you want from him? He did it. And instead of people backing him, I feel like I'm the only one making a robust defense. No other group is doing this. Until the courts came in, now people are kind of like, whatever. But initially, when it mattered, and you had all the protests, the conservative thumbsuckers bashed him. Every Republican senator except for a few bashed him. The remaining ones were in the witness protection program. So put yourself in Trump's position. I was one of the first people to criticize him for not getting rid of DACA. 
And you know, I was right because it's not only not deporting people, it's it's an in it's a you're actually taking a, a, an unconstitutional action of having your own homeland security department um give out give out um uh social security cards and and work permits illegally to to illegal aliens. How do you do that for even one day? But you know what? Think about it. Put yourself in his shoes. Does he really have an incentive to do that? Is there really a conservative movement backing him that's going to have his back? No. I mean, Republicans will go nuts if he does that. I mean, so I don't know what you do now. You know, I I was all over him for not overturning Obama's uh, transgender um, executive order, you know, barring contracts with uh, companies that don't have transgender bathroom arrangements. You know, and Ivanka's in there. She's a huge problem, by the way. Her and Jared, oh my gosh. Um, But, you know, think about it. In his shoes, like, who's going to back me on that? (laughs) And naturally, he's certainly not as much with us on that as anything else. So the problem is there's no movement around him. There's nothing. The conservative movement is bankrupt. And by the way, the same thing on Gorsuch. People are like laughing at Trump. Huh, he didn't even know what his own guy said and accused the media and the Democrats of lying. And then, you know, really Gorsuch did say something bad. Ha ha, egg on his face. But look, I mean, you got to sympathize with Trump on this as well. Trump's not a conservative. He certainly doesn't understand the judiciary and, and the legal affairs. He was like, I promised you guys your pick. You guys, Heritage, the Federalist Society, you tell me who you want. You, you won this, I'll give it to you. They gave him Gorsuch. You know, so naturally Trump is very impressed by resumes and superficiality and is like, okay. But do you think for a minute Trump thought to ask him, do you agree with the plenary power doctrine on, on immigration? Are you going to overturn Obergefell? Are you going to overturn Roe? No. It's like if conservatives want him, I'm not going to second guess that. That's the problem. The conservative movement itself is bankrupt. Itself doesn't believe in the things it says it believes in. So how do you expect Trump to? This is the sorry state of affairs where where we're at, um, where people don't actually mean what they say and say what they mean. This whole thing's a joke. Look at all these thumbsuckers. Now they're like, all the thumbsuckers are writing, hey, Trump, you better not withdraw Gorsuch. (laughs) They love Gorsuch. They hate his immigration order, but they love Gorsuch. It just, they're so bankrupt. Some of it comes from this pseudo-libertarianism, and I know some of you in the audience might be libertarians, but it's in a different way. It's not in the good way. <laughs> Which reminds me of another thing. Where the hell are all these libertarians? So we, we know they don't believe in two legs of the stool, right? The security and sovereignty and uh, social conservatives. Okay, I, I get that. We, we, got, we got that message. But free markets, isn't that? <laughs> where are they helping me on Obamacare? Why, why have I been this lone voice? in the wilderness on the Obamacare regulations and how they're not repealing them. Where are these people? All they're there is to suck their thumbs over the exact wrong. We have, if the conservative movement Inc didn't exist, we'd be in a better place. Their entire energy is negative energy. It's expend towards protesting the few good things that happen or complaining about or defending Gorsuch and his comments. Are you kidding me? There's like an, it's funny. I I was saying there's an 11th commandment now that um, you can't criticize a judge, 
But unfortunately, the, the the judges already said we can't have the Ten Commandments. So I guess, you know, you can't have an Eleventh Commandment. Thou shall not criticize a judge. You could criticize a senator. You could criticize a president. But you better not criticize a judge. Unbelievable. Judicial oligarchy. You know, uh, Mark Levin, in his foreword to my book, Stolen Sovereignty, opens up literally with the words, unelected judges are not God. That's the opening of my book. Uh, Mark Levin's forward. So go get it at, at Amazon.com. Anyway, I, I spewed enough here before I get out of hand. Um, I'm also losing my voice because in addition to writing all week, I've been talking all week. So um, tweet me your ideas. But j- just know I am fully committed to seeing this through. I believe this is our time and moment. I'm going to try to work with the Trump administration. With um, I have to give a shout out to Congressman Steve King. He's now become the subcommittee chairman of the Judiciary's Constitution Subcommittee, um, which has oversight over this. And uh, he's fully committed to jurisdiction stripping, to judicial reform. We're, we're going to work on that. And um, I'm going to make this a life's mission for mine because nothing else matters. Remember, if you don't fix this notion that the courts could reinterpret the Constitution no matter what, and they are the sole and final arbiter of that of that interpretation. Every last thing we want to do, to the extent we can even get good things done at a political level, which, as you see, is very tenuous and, and rare and few and far between, it will be thrown out by the courts. So we have a lot more to talk about. I, I barely even scratched the surface of what, what went on this week. But tweet me your ideas. Let me know. You know, I'm just one man, and we we we, we need um we need each other. We need different ideas. Send me emails. Tweet me at RM Conservative. Thanks for listening. As always, make sure to subscribe to CRTV. Get your annual subscription to hear your only sane television network on the air. Till then, God bless. This has been another episode of the Conservative Conscience.